seriously popular. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Yesterday, 12th January 2022, Gardi from Tullamore Garda Station attended to an incident following a call from a member of the public. It is every woman's worst nightmare. Whoever is responsible for this will face the full rigors of the law. From the team that brought you the trial of Lucy Letby, this is the trial, Ashley Murphy. In January 2022, Ashlyn Murphy had just started her career as a primary school teacher in Tullamore in County Offaly. She dreamt of one day building her own home with her partner Ryan. They'd been together for almost six years. She had her whole life ahead of her. Ashlyn was also an accomplished musician, so devoted to her fiddle that she never had to be told to practice. She was never happier than when she was playing with her sister, Amy. That all changed on January the 12th. Ashlyn left Duro National School at the end of the day and went for a jog along Grand Canal Way, something she'd done so many times before. But this time, on her run, she was killed. Her funeral was attended by thousands and many more attended vigils for her across the world. The tributes were heartbreaking. This was just one. She had integrity. She was honest. She was trustworthy. She was quirky and a little bit cheeky sometimes with the loveliest smile. She had this beautiful, twinkly smile. Joseph Pushka is now on trial in Dublin, accused of her murder. He denies the charges against him. I'm Nicola Byrne, Deputy News Editor for The Mail on Sunday in Ireland. I'll be in court every day reporting on the trial as it happens. And I'm broadcaster and journalist Caroline Cheatham. Together, we'll examine what's happened in court and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is The Trial, Ashlyn Murphy. We start today with a warning that some of what we're going to bring to you today is distressing. And that's because a lot of what we've heard in court over the past couple of days since our last episode has been focused on the eyewitnesses in this case. The people who told the jury they were there, either as the attack was taking place or soon after. Many of them, Nicola, explained how they tried to help Ashley as she lay in the ditch along the Grand Canal on January the 12th last year. 
Caroline, it's been a harrowing week in court for the family of Ashleen, and at times they found it really hard to hide their emotions. So what we're going to talk you through today is a number of eyewitnesses, but one in particular left the court in utter silence. She was a woman like Ashleen, she was a primary school teacher, and we heard that she and her friend were also exercising that day along the canal, just a few minutes behind Ashleen. She told the court in graphic and upsetting detail that during her run that day, she heard a noise. She said it was a bit like an animal, but different. She saw a man crouched over a woman in a ditch in the brambles. He had his hands on her and her legs were kicking. We also heard lots of medical evidence about the puncture wounds in Ashlyn's neck, how the Gardaí and the paramedics tried desperately to save her, and how initially there was so much blood it was impossible to know where it was coming from, and how a pathologist who examined Ashlyn's body after she died said she wouldn't have been able to scream or shout during the attack because the stab wounds severed her voice box. Welcome to episode two, The Eyewitness. So Nicola, on Tuesday in the episode, we outlined the prosecution's opening statement from Anne-Marie Lawler. And her case, in a nutshell, is that Joseph Pushka murdered Ashlyn as she was working out along the canal after she finished teaching at Durrow National School. Now, she said he stabbed her 11 times in the right-hand side of her neck and then he dumped his bright green bike in the brambles and he ran. But she also told the jury that CCTV footage of him in the hours before showed him behaving oddly. Yes, she said the footage showed him riding around the town slowly. She described it as aimless meandering. And she said he was following women, at times riding closely behind them and staring at them. What we also found out about Joseph Pushke is that he's originally from Slovakia. He has five children and he's been in Ireland since around 2012. He lived just a few kilometres outside Tullamore and in court he has a translator sitting with him, relaying what's happening, Caroline. He sits quietly in the open dock. He occasionally makes notes. Every day he wears a grey suit jacket, grey trousers and he has his black hair slicked back in a tight ponytail. And because of the way the court is laid out, he's sitting just yards from Ashlyn's family. Yeah, I mean, they're sitting in benches, aren't they, which are reserved for them in Court 13. And every day of this hearing, her parents, her brother and sister and her partner Ryan have been in court. Now, in the last few days, the evidence has been, as we said at the beginning, graphic. And at times they found it really hard not to show how distressed they are. But Nicola, we need to start today with this eyewitness. Now, before we hear what she told the court, just tell us a little bit about her, who she is and and why she was called. Yes, the eyewitness is a woman called Jenna Stack. She's a young mother and like Ashleen, she's a primary school teacher. She told the jury that she lived in a village called Killy, which is about seven kilometres from Tullamore. And she thought in the primary school in Mukla, the same village where Joseph Pushka lives. 
Now, we know that Jenna had arranged to meet her friend Aoife for a run on Monday afternoon on the 12th of January. It wasn't the time they usually ran, though, this, but they'd missed their usual Saturday slot. So they decided to do a 7K run along the canal that afternoon. So they met at about 10 past three in a car park near to the canal and Jenna left her keys in the car because her daughter was going to be getting out of the nearby secondary school very soon and she was going to wait for her in the car. Now at 3.15 she set her Garmin timer and they started their run and they were about 15 minutes into that run Nicola when they saw something. Yes, they were running along the canal path and they noticed a bike with bright green forks pushed into the bushes. Here's what she told the court. Her words have been voiced here by an actor. We heard an awful lot of noise. It wasn't just an animal. It was quite distinct. It was loud. It was like someone was struggling, to be honest. Aoife said to me, do you hear that? We moved closer to see what it was. I said, are you okay? Do you need help? We started to get frightened at that point. I stepped in for a closer look. I could see the back of a jacket, a navy bomber jacket. I might have shouted, what are you doing? Are you okay? He was crouched over something. He had his back to me. When he turned, I could see his face clearly. I could not see his hands because he was holding the person down. I thought it was a girl at the time. At this point, he turned. When he turned, I could see his face clearly. He said, get away, and his teeth were gritted at me in anger. His facial expression, it was terrifying, to be honest. It was a foreign accent. His face, his teeth were kind of grinding, and he shouted, get away, get away. That's what he said. He said something else at the time, but I didn't know what it was. I saw a girl underneath him. I saw her thighs. I could see from her thighs down to her runners. The girl was kicking, and he was leaned over her. He was crouched over, holding her down. She was kicking so hard, like a scissor kick. She was moving whatever part of her body she could to get help. She was raising her legs really high. She was really using her core to kick her legs. He was still holding her down. I thought the guy was going to rape her, to be honest. I said, I have a phone on me. I'm calling the guards. He kind of lunged at us then, as if to frighten us. I thought he was coming after us at that point. My heart was absolutely pounding. She told the court they ran as fast as they could to try and get help and tried to get two men in high-vis jackets to call the guardie. They also stopped two men on bicycles and sent them back towards where the girl was. Jenna said she was going to run back to show them where it happened, but Aoife warned her not to. She said, Jenna, he could be out there. He knows we saw him. He could be coming after us. Now, once Jenna had finished giving her main evidence in court, Michael Bowman, the defence counsel for Joseph Pushka, didn't dispute, actually, that it was indeed his client in the hedge. And, Nicola, this is the first time we've heard this, and in court there was an audible gasp, wasn't there? Yes, there certainly was. Uh, This was because this is the first time that Joseph Pushka has admitted being there at the time. But what he suggested was that the defendant was actually trying to to save Ashlyn, he said to Jenna Stack, he was suggesting that what actually happened was that his client was trying to assist and that he had his hands on Ashlyn's neck because he was trying to stop the bleeding. 
And Mr Bowman also said that his client didn't intend to be aggressive to Jenna, but he said he couldn't make out what she was saying and that he then caught his leg on a bramble, which is why he called out in pain. Jenna simply said this was not the impression she got. Now... We also heard in the cross-examination from Mr Bowman that there was an ID parade at Tullamore Garda Station on the 13th of January, which Jenna attended. Now, there were nine men in the lineup, all of similar appearance, and she picked out one of the men and said that she was certain it was him, the man that she'd seen in the hedge. Yes, she picked number six from the line out. She said she picked him because of his eyes. And yes, she agreed, she said at the time, that she was 100% sure it was him that she'd seen in the hedge leaning over the girl. But that man at number six was not Joseph Pushka, as we now know. And Jenna told the court when she was questioned about this that uh, she accepted that she had made a mistake at that moment. And this particular man looked very similar to the man she had seen in the hedge. And she assured the court that everything in her evidence subsequently to that ID parade was 100% correct. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. So before the break, we heard about the evidence from Jenna Stack, and the end of her evidence was that she and her friend Aoife ran for help after seeing Ashlyn in the brambles. And the jury also heard from the officer who got to the scene first and tried desperately to save her. Yes, this is Garda Tom Dunn, who explained he got the first call, which was made to Tullamore Garda Station at about 3.35pm. That call was from a man who was very distressed. Garda Dunn said he wasn't making a whole lot of sense. Here's what he told the jury. His words have been voiced here by an actor. He just kept saying there was a body in the ditch. From the panic, it was obvious something serious had happened. I spent most of the time trying to get exact details of how to get to him. He left the station and arrived at Digby Bridge about eight minutes later and he said three women directed him to the spot on the towpath on the far side of the canal. They were then flagged down by a man on a bicycle. He told us we needed to look down into the ditch. I got out of the car and I could see straight away there was a body in the ditch. It looked to be a female. He told the court he ran to where Ashling was lying in the ditch next to the Grand Canal. He said her hair was matted with blood and caught in the briars. He also said she was wearing leggings and a GAA top from her local Kilcormac Kilockley Club. And she also wore a necklace which spelled out Ashling. I unzipped her jacket and began CPR and chest compressions. 
I would have felt for a pulse. I could not feel one. If there was, it was very faint. There was a lot of blood. Her hair was matted, caught in the briars, matted with the briars and blood. There was an awful lot of blood. It was impossible to tell where it was coming from at the time. When the paramedics arrived, he said they lifted Ashlyn's body out of the ditch and placed her on the path. At that point, he said her blue runners fell off as they were carrying her. When she was laid down on the tarmac, her head kind of went back and I could see a lot clearer. I could see holes or puncture wounds under her neck. I could see four or five, but there was so much blood it was impossible to see anything else. I was present when they said there were no signs of life and they stopped working on the body. Now, what the court also heard this week was the medical evidence. We mentioned this at the beginning, Nicola, of the episode, but we did hear some significant details. And this all came from the state pathologist, Dr Sally-Ann Collis. Now, she told the jury that Ashlyn would not have been able to speak after she was attacked because of the injuries to her neck and specifically to her voice box. Dr. Collis confirmed that Ashleen died from 12 sharp force injuries to her neck caused by a knife or a blade. She said 11 of those were stab wounds to a depth of nearly 10 centimetres, while the other was a shallow wound, a long wound, 9.4 centimetres long. Those injuries, she said, would have caused damage to the nerves around her voice box. In fact, Dr. Collis said Ashling would not have been able to speak or make an intelligible sound. What else did she say, Nicola, to the jury? She said the major injuries were all focused to the right side of Ashleen's neck and she also noticed skin flaps on Ashleen's fingers, which she said were potentially defensive. She said Ashley may have held up her hands to try to protect herself so her fingers caught the edge of the blade. And she also said she believed the knife had been sharp on one side and that it may have been serrated as well. Just before we finish today, there was more distress, Nicola, wasn't there, for the Murphy family because some of Ashlyn's personal belongings that were recovered from the scene were shown to the jury and they were all in sort of clear plastic evidence bags. Yes, there was an audible sob from Ashlyn's mum, Kathleen, when Ashlyn's pale pink woolen hat, which we've heard so much about this week, was shown to the jury. In quick succession, Agarda also held up another of other items recovered from Ashlyn during the post-mortem examination. Yeah, and I think these included a grey scarf, which had blood on it, was blood-soaked, a gold-coloured ring which she wore on her right middle finger and that, that gold necklace that you mentioned before, Nicola, with Ashlyn on it. Yes, and Ashlyn's green and navy GAA top as well as a heavily blood-stained white T-shirt were taken out of the evidence bags and they were shown to the jury and this caused even more sobs in the courtroom. Joseph Pushka has pleaded not guilty to the charge of murder and the trial continues. So that's it for episode two. We'll be back next week with more evidence and detail from the court case. In the meantime, you can follow us at The Trial Podcast or you can follow me at Radio Caroline. See you soon.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.